0: Straple fans, and welcome to another edition of Let Me Tell You Something. It's been a long run that we've had so far and there's been a long journey within this journey a mini uh, subcategory within our Dave Meltzer 5 star quest to watch every match this year that we can find that Dave Meltzer has given 5 stars or higher and we've also come at the end of our Kislowski esque decalogue of 10 new japan matches and this is the final one of that run before we watch one non-new japan match and then another eight new japan matches we've been spanning a four-year history of new japan as we come to this final chapter simon what are we talking about today
1: we're talking about kenny omega taking on tatsuya naito In the G1 Climax, seven days removed from our previous match that we've uh, reviewed.
0: So that was your Let Me Tell You Something co-host, Simon Cross, and I'm your other co-host, Lorcan Mullen. And so, like we said, Simon, this is a battle of um, heel faction leaders, I suppose you would say, as Kenny Omega, newly anointed leader, third leader of the Bullet Club, after... Prince Devitt left for Greener Pastures and was booted out of the group by a Young buck super kick during his Loser Leaves Town match against Ryosuke Taguchi. And then at the New Year's Dash show of January 5th of 2016, AJ Styles was also booted out of the group. After he'd failed to defeat Shinsuke Nakamura for the IWGP Intercontinental title, he was kicked out this time with a surprise one-winged angel from Kenny Omega, who had been the cleaner junior ace of the faction, who had had a shock loss to Kushida at the Wrestle Kingdom main um, event the night before, where he was surprised with a small package. There's no screw-ups with New Japan. When they do a roll-up finish, there's a reason behind it being a roll-up finish. Because this allowed Omega to stay strong as he was to become the new leader of the Bullet Club, graduate to the heavyweight division, swiftly claim the the vacated IWGP Intercontinental Championship that Nakamura left after beating Hiroshi Tanahashi for it, and then went on a tear having a ladder match against Michael Elgin. That Elgin won the Intercontinental title from. But stayed about there and thereabouts. Leading this new version of the Bullet Club. Interesting thought I realised as well with the Bullet Club. They've had four different leaders. All from a different nation of origin. Ah. Even though they're the ultimate Gaijin tag team. Because you have Devitt from Ireland. AJ Styles from the US. Kenny Omega from Canada. And now Kiwi J-White.
1: Sorry, you skipped out after you listed the third one there.
0: Oh, and the Kiwi, Jay White, from New Zealand. Just a little fact I noticed. But anyway, he's facing off against Tetsuya Naito. Now, in a recent episode, I ran down the epic story of Tanahashi losing the generational battle to Okada in the end of who is the true ace of New Japan at Wrestle Kingdom at the start of this year of 2016. Um, what I love when I, one of my favourite storylines are ones that incorporate side characters and affect other people within the promotion and no one was more affected by the Okada-Tanahashi rivalry than Tetsuya Naito so just give me one second I'm getting a bit of sun in my eyes I'm just going to close a curtain I'll be back in yeah, there sure. too long So, yes, the story of Tetsuya Naito. Now, Naito is, has done everything right, essentially, except be embraced by the fans. He had rose his way gradually up the card, having been a Young Lion, famously facing off against Okada around the same as Young Lions uh, about 10 years before their Wrestle Kingdom main event in 2017. Uh, was it 2017 or 2018? It was 2018. Yes, it was 2018. Um, and he'd been a pure, and he'd been a babyface all the way through. He formed a tag team with another fellow young lion of the time, Yujiro Takahashi, and they formed the team No Limits. And they'd done all the learning excursions. They'd moved. They'd gone to Mexico where Naito came up with his trademark pose of pulling, opening his eye with his fingers because that was a, frankly, racist signal that Mexican fans were giving to him um. to open his eyes, so he decided to embrace it.
1: Okay. <laughs> Steer into the skid, if, if nothing yeah. else.
0: And... He was a babyface through and through, Apollo, uh, Team No Limit, doing what they can, winning the IWGP Junior Tag Team titles, graduating to the heavyweight tag team division. But then Yujiro turned on Naito, and Naito had to try and make it as a singles competitor, still working his way gradually up the ranks. He was nicknamed the Stardust Genius because of his natural uh, wrestling brain. He could structure things in a brilliant way, apparently, backstage. He was known to be the guy that can figure out how to tell the story of a match better than anyone. And he very much was the inheritor of the Tanahashi legacy through traditional means, in the same way that Fujinami inherited it from Inoki, or, you know, uh, along those lines. He would start to do trademark Tanahashi moves, like dragon screw leg whips and tiger suplexes. uh, Sorry, dragon suplexes and the like. So he was doing everything the right way. And he gradually made his way up and up and up. We'll get into uh, the G1 Climax Final of 2012, where I think he lost to Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, Or 2011, maybe. And then he finally reaches the G1 Climax Final and wins against his idol, his superior, his mentor, Tanahashi. And he was going to go to Wrestle Kingdom and face Kazuchika Okada for the IWGB Heavyweight Championship. And he said that the true star of New Japan was him. The Shiryaku, as I think he said. The problem was the fans didn't seem to care. They (laughs) never liked him that much. They never liked him enough. There's a moment when he came out to challenge Okada or speak to Okada after Okada had won the previous uh, title defense before the Wrestle Kingdom event and said again, the leading man of New Japan is me. And there was like no reaction from the crowd.
1: Oh,
0: Uh, just it didn't sound right and so that kind of spooked the bookers and as I said they announced a poll of wrestling fans to decide who was going to main event the match was it going to be what you would think it would be the heavyweight champion against the G1 Climax winner and also never openweight champion at that point Naito or was it going to be champion versus champion as well or was it going to be the intercontinental championship match the theoretical number 2 belt between the guy that lost the G1 climax final Shinsuke Nakamura uh, sorry uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi Tanahashi against Shinsuke Nakamura and who did the fans go with
1: Tanahashi Nakamura
0: and who do you think the fans blamed for not getting for not being in the main event Naito Naito and he lost that match he fought his best but he lost his he lost it in the end and lost the Never Openweight title again soon after that. And he started to change a bit. Be a bit more angry in the ring. And then he goes off to Mexico to, join, to have a learning excursion. And along there, he forms a friendship with a guy called Roosh. Uh, who is now a mainstay in Ring of Honor as well, I believe. I might be mixing him up there. And he also became friends with one La Sombra who we now better know as Andrade Almas.
1: Cien Almas.
0: Cien Almas. Well, just Andrade now, anyway. Yeah. And he joined their Mexican faction of Los Ingobernables, a rudo heel team that would just not listen to anyone in charge. They were the ungovernables, and they had a, a defiant attitude of tranquilo. And the idea is that they are cool as a cucumber. It's a bit of a DXness to them, like 97 DX. Yeah. They're anti-authority, but they're also too cool for school, you know, essentially. And so when Naito came back to New Japan, he was just doing this really, like, low-energy, low-effort character that just didn't... Bo- he didn't even bother getting involved in a tag-team match at one point with um, Tom- Honma, I believe. Yeah, Tomuaki Honma. He just didn't bother getting involved in the match. And then, and when he does get involved, he beats him up and then just tag out pretty soon after and then not get involved again. And he just leaves Honma out at the end of the match, doesn't try and help him up after he's lost, doesn't seem to care. All that he cares about is making sure that his Los Gobenabla's baseball cap is not being touched by anyone else. <laughs> so, essentially, essentially, at this point, Naito's. if you want to look at it as a heel... He's a petulant teenager, almost. Yeah. And it's a really weird way to go about a character, to a wrestler that his thing is that he doesn't care. But it's ultimately, within the character of Naito, it's a mask that what he really feels is such anger at being betrayed by everyone that's be- that's really shown at the G1 climax of the previous year when he just viciously assaults Hiroshi Tanahashi in their match. Because Tanahashi was supposed to hand the legacy to him, not lose it to Okada, the guy who, obviously, Naito had seen as his inferior, both in age and skill, based on their Young Lions days, where Naito won their Young Lions match. Uh, okay. So he's been, you know, Okada's pushed ahead of him in the queue. And he waited in an orderly fashion. And he lost, and he didn't even get to main event the match. And he takes that out on Tanahashi, who lost the guard, the mantle of Ace that he was supposed to get off of him to Okada, or that he was fighting Okada for the mantle of Ace at this point. And so Naito, the only time that he started being truly aggressive was when he fought against Tanahashi. And so this all leads to Ta- uh, Naito ultimately forming his own group, that he's not going to be part of anyone's faction. He's not going to join Chaos, obviously. Yeah. Okada's there, and he hates Okada. He no longer cares about New Japan. Because Tanahashi symbolizes New Japan, so he's not going to join them. The Bullet Club is a, you know, a Gaijin faction, so he's not going to join them. So he forms his own group, and that's a big deal within New Japan to like form a new group and to be the leader yeah. of that group. And so he decides he's going to continue the Los Ingobernables name and make a Japanese version, just as Chono had taken the NWO name and formed NWO Japan in, in ninety seven. Yeah. And so they have to follow his tranquilo uh, mindset, and from there he joined. He gets the junior heavyweight Bushi, who spits mist at people, and is very useful to help you help them in a, in big matches. Yep. He gets Evil, uh, a recent young line graduate making his debut as a, a, a re debut as like a, a wizard, <laughs> <laughs> and then. He finally gets an IWGP heavyweight title match against Okada and there debuts the fourth member of Los Ingobernables, the recent recruit from All Japan and Wrestle 1, Sanada, Cold uh, okay another man of like, you know, not much to say, not much to, you know, very a very cool guy, very emotionless in, in that regards. And with all their help, he's able to win the IWGP heavyweight title from Okada. Okay. That he'd won off of of AJ Styles and then successfully defended it against Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom.
1: So he's finally got his moment. He's finally finally got his his
0: moment. And when he finally, after all these years of working towards this moment, winning the IWGP heavyweight title through cheating methods, though, against Okada, do you know what he did at that point when he was finally handed the belts?
1: Threw it away. He well, threw not threw it, it away. Up in
0: the air and walked away from the ring with the belt still in the ring.
1: <laughs> Such pet. That you, I see the petulant teenager bit there. Yeah, massively.
0: And that would be his trait. Every time he would drag the belt to the ring, he wouldn't wear it around his waist, and then at the end of a match, he'd throw it up in the air and walk away.
1: A <laughs> bet, and a bet like uh, people like Tanahashi would just like spit in feathers at the yeah. prospect.
0: They were outraged at this. Like I said, they kind of saw him as a petulant teenager who didn't get his way. And so he was throwing a massive strop.
1: But But a strop that's also got him to hold their most valuable asset.
0: Yes. But Okada has recently won the belt back from Naito at Dominion. So Naito is going into this G1 Climax. No longer the defending champion. But if he wins this one... Then he goes through to the final of the G1 Climax, where he will face the surprise contender of Hiroki Goto, who won his block unexpectedly when the final match of the block ended in a time limit draw. And if either of those guys had won, they would have reached the final. Can you guess who those two that fought at the time limit draw were, Simon?
1: Was one of them Nakamura? No, no, Nakamura had gone by then. Um, Ishii? No. Ah, Give me a clue.
0: We've covered the match before. Who do you think could not necessarily have their rivalry contained by 30-minute time? Limit? Ah,
1: Tanahashi Okada. Yep,
0: yeah, their first match since Okada really won the ace mantle at the Wrestle Kingdom match. So you would think of this match as probably no one would have expected Hiroki Goto at this point to be main eventing of Wrestle Kingdom.
1: Yeah. So
0: I think everyone goes in probably expecting Naito because he was the hot flavor of that time. ...to win it. Omega's in his first ever G1 Climax, and, you know, it's very rare for someone to win their first G1 Climax. The only two people that had done that before him in the previous ten years have been Okada and Hiroki Goto.
1: Ah. A ah. little bit of foreshadowing there, I like that, we have Goto in the final.
0: So, like I said, this is a battle of two characters whose thing are that they're heelish... Omega seems to have an almost... Is a very eccentric character compared to Devitt's cool, loche rock and roll. Almost a precursor to what Chris Jericho turned himself into. A slightly less exaggerated version of that. Yeah. Um, And AJ Styles is just sort of the classic angry, American, gaijin, cheating heel. But also with great wrestling agility and high-flying nature. Like, they kind of see him as a boorish... Stan Hansen-esque guy, but not with a Stan Hansen-esque size, you know?
1: Yeah. But the Stan Hansen ability just in a different field, yeah, if that maybe, makes sense. Yeah, maybe
0: that's not the best example, but just like, the Bullet Club is a parody of, of Gaijin wrestlers, essentially, you know, yeah. them the Bullet Club, is a very pointed point uh, notion about American culture through the eyes of Japanese wrestler Japanese people. <laughs>
1: How much I love guns in that.
0: Yeah, and it's obvious that Omega's not really interested in that version. He's already formed this new little group within the group with the Young Bucks that they've taken to the calling the Elite. Yes. Hmm, wonder what will happen with that. Hmm. <laughs> and he's, uh, yeah, and he's, his character is that, I mean, if you ever see his promos of in Japan, in English language promos at this point, it's almost like an anime villain. There's a great one after he beats Kushida for the junior title a year earlier. I, I remembered this promo because I just watched it several times. It's so good. He goes, this is him with the mic. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 Something the matter, Kushida. Came expecting to fight a madman, but instead found a god. Ha, 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 ha,
1: That's brilliant.
0: <laughs> yeah. So there's this idea that Omega is a little bit crazy he's a lot crazier than devit and, and aj star yeah topics. he would prefer eccentric maybe um so like you said you've got these two very unusual characters both portraying different kinds of heels both still embraced by the fans because one of the reasons that naito became so popular is a lot of people saw him as emblematic of this very disaffected angry young generation yeah promised this prosperous life of japan that they're not getting similar to a lot of Gen Y, you know, millennials complaining about what the baby boomers haven't left for them. Yeah. That's basically how, like, there's this really weird tradition, like, now, like, Japanese women don't want to get married. A lot of them, a lot of Japanese kids teenagers just spend all their time in their bedrooms. It's, like, a proper problem that there is within Japanese society at the moment, and I suppose Naito embodies that, weirdly. Again, acting like a petulant teenager in many yeah. ways. But the funny thing about Naito, I think one of the reasons why I love his shtick so much, like you say, is that he has to not care, but care at the same time. He He has has to to...
1: care about the fact that he not cares.
0: Yeah, he has to act as if he's not bothered by anything. And like when they're trading wads of spit at one another early on, Naito's trying to sort of look emotionless, but wrestling's all about emotion. (laughs) And, you know... Some of his actions in the past were quite exaggerated, some of his sellings and everything. He was very, yeah. very energetic, and he's trying to do the opposite of that now.
1: I did love, um, j- just after this, uh, just before they start spitting, well, it sort of leads into this spitting, the opening exchange where he roll, ducks and rolls through a, a mega lariat, and he uh, engages in full tranquilo in the middle of the ring. Well,
0: that's the thing. He always wants to show that he... He's one up someone. He's outwitted them. They're, they're worried. And he's like, what are you worried about? I'm not going to hit you. I'm just doing yeah. my tranquilo pose. Yeah. Like, um, usually it's... it'll be that he'll look like he's going to do a dive to the outside and then he'll roll,
1: yeah.
0: roll into the tranquilo pose and the crowd loves it.
1: It's it's weird, though, because obviously the other tranquilo pose I've seen is obviously Andrade doing it in the ropes. Mm. Um, but he's usually got a bit of distance between his and the opponent when he does Tranquilo. Naito's like, now nah, you like that, that Omega is like literally a foot away from him. And it's just there like, yeah, I'm here. What are you going to do about it?
0: So like I said, it is funny in Japan to see a heel versus heel match, really.
1: Hmm. Well, and, and in some ways with the situation you've just described and Goto make, being the, the guy who awaits you, um, I guess you could argue that both of these guys saw this as the final. Maybe they, like, wouldn't... Will...
0: Well, that's, like I said, like, they're trying to give it a big match feel. Yeah. But, I mean, you can still tell... There is a story of Hiroki Goto, the the, the the bridesmaid of New Japan who's never won the heavyweight title, finally winning the big one. That That's still a story that could be told. So it wasn't impossible that Hiroki... You know, if he can get to the final, then surely he can yeah. go the next step further and win it.
1: But you have to feel that those the characters of Naito and Omega would have backed themselves. Yeah. Well, more uh, against Goto than against their opponent in this match. Well, they're both projecting arrogance. They might an arrogance. not admit it. They're both but, projecting yeah. an arrogance. Yeah. Of course
0: they'll admit it. Wrestlers always say they're going to win the match, that they're going to wrestle, you know? Oh, no, no. What
1: I mean is that, what, they won't admit that they respect the other oh, yeah. less than they respect Goto, more than they respect Goto, if you see what I mean.
0: So Naito, like I said, Naito has this weird thing that he has to make the match feel big whilst he doesn't care. So he very, very slowly takes off his uh, his entrance costume,
1: his Vegas magician outfit.
0: Yeah, he hasn't quite got the cape yet. He does start rocking a cape, <laughs> just, just like
1: one of those um, like uh, neck beard things, I guess, milady. Just mm. cape fedora.
0: But like that's his <laughs> whole thing. He's trying to get into the heads of his opponent. He's trying to annoy them in the way that everyone got into his head. He's trying to get into their heads. And like when they go for lockups early on, Naito just walks away, and and does start getting to Omega. Omega is like, "Are oh, you?" Naito, yeah, because the, that...
1: <laughs> the second time he does that, um, he turns his back to Omega, and Omega just lamps him in the back of the head. <laughs> Almost Simpsons esque. I'm gonna punch Lenny Square in the back of the head. <laughs> mm. <Ow>! <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: So then they just start brawling with each other and just. Spitting at each other, which you know, it's not very hygienic. A bit but,
1: petulant to do spitting,
0: as yes. Well. But Omega's giving as good as he gets in that regard, yeah. Um And like I said, you can still see Naito, the the supposed inheritor of the Tanahashi legacy. Because what does he do? Go for the knee.
1: Well, you know, he's he's not going to unlearn that sort of stuff, is he? Mm. Even if he's like sulking, knowledge is you know still imbued in you. And a knee is still a knee; it's still a good target. Yeah. And maybe he st- he feels it's his it's his right to use the jag- dragon screw because he was supposed to inherit that anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to have it. Uh,
0: and so when Omega sends him to the outside to try and recover as he as the knee's hurt, so he goes for a pescado and Naito dodges it, and Omega lands and hurts his knee, and immediately. Naito's there with a drop kick, so it's like I said, you can see that Tanahashiness within him.
1: I like the camera angle on that bit, mm. um, the way Omega lands, and then you just see Naito coming from the edge of the shot into shot mm. and hitting the drop kick to the knee, just sort of like out of nowhere, bang. I think that was just shot very well.
0: And then Omega returns with. See, one of the things that always worries you about Naito and Omega are some of the unnecessarily excessive bumps they take and nasty things that they do. Mm. And we get the first example of this when he body slams him, not on the apron, but on the edge of the apron.
1: Yeah. his The base of his spine and hips must have absolutely been mullered there. Because that's one of the moves um, they did on the instant replay and showed the impact. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> oh, no.
0: Another thing I'll say about Omega is he has some nasty chops. They are loud.
1: It's the facial expressions he pulls when he does them as well. Uh, it, he conveys the viciousness of what he's trying to do mm. so well.
0: But yeah, the key story of the match for Omega is him trying to survive his uh, knee injury. Uh, at one point he does his trade but move where he yells out something. Usually it's you cannot escape! But instead it's, I could do this all day! Where he does the rolling <laughs> fireman's carry yeah. into him going to jump into the second rope and doing a moonsault, but he halts mid move because it's jammed his knee up again and so naito sees the opportunity immediately gets up and drop kicks the back of his knee when he jumps up to the second rope and then gets him in the figure four leg lock and again, like, uh, you know, Naito playing up to the heelish elements, he's slow to release the whole when Omega does finally reach the role. Reach the yeah,
1: role. Red Shoes <laughs> looks real pissed that he's like, he's done that as well. <laughs> it's like, I'm counting, can you not, like, after he lets go, it's like, it, it, it's sort of like, it's like he's saying, could you not see me count?
0: One of the things of Omega that I'm a huge fan of is his physicality and his movement in the ring. Mm. And I think he takes a lot of inspiration, it's pretty obvious that he does, from computer games. Yeah. A lot of his motion is almost like herky-jerky like reduced frame rate movements, weirdly. Do you get where I'm coming from? It's like it's sudden jagged sudden movements where it seems like he's from one spot to another really quickly, but then he'll hang time in, in the air from... It's, it's really hard to describe, but it's like jagged movements of sudden like, like he doesn't run in a traditional flowing motion. He's like mm. puts one arm forward, puts one arm forward, like like holds it there. I, I, I'm finding it hard to he's sort say of, in a non-visual terms. I'm sort of doing motions to Simon that I can't quite describe to the <laughs> yeah.
1: audience. To see if I can sort of um, relate back to what you've said and see if we're on the same page then, he's sort of trying to reduce the smoothness yeah. He probably could be smooth if he wanted to be, but he's reducing the smoothness to make it more aesthetically
0: aggressive.
1: Aggressive, yeah, and and, it, and draw attention to draw attention to what he's doing mm. as well. Like he's his great. his movements look. You pay more attention Wild, to erratic. his moves, yeah, because it's it's frenzy. I think yeah. frenzy is the word I am looking for here. Yeah, he will he, have he's sudden bursts
0: friendly. of speed that are faster than you even traditionally see. Yeah. in wrestling.
1: Yeah, and it's not like um, the explosiveness um, I refer to with people like Ishii. It's it, This frenzy is like a, it's f- it's an frenetic. animal viciousness. It is yeah.
0: frenetic, like you, like you were saying. Um, and then like uh, when he does that springboard somersault plancher from the top rope to Naito far into the crowd, it's absolutely amazing to look at.
1: Fair play, because... That is some distance. That is that is distance. That is cool. There, you're right. He, uh, he manages to move. Th- I can see what you mean. Um, whenever I see someone get powerbombed into a Japanese table, mm. I can't help but wince.
0: And he goes through the table.
1: Yes, yeah, so and how hard was that power <laughs> the powerbomb then?
0: I am the table! But not <laughs> this time. Uh, what was also in uh, good as well, I liked, was... They didn't do the traditional well, they were doing it seemed like they were doing the traditional can Naito get into the ring at the twenty counts. Yeah. And when the ref reaches eighteen and you it looks like he's gonna get in, so Omega just goes outside the ring and immediately hits him with a an apron dragon suplex.
1: Oh yeah. <sighs> I mean, it was a good-looking good, good looking move, but Jesus Christ, there's no way that doesn't hurt.
0: But again, and then when he gets him back in the ring and goes for another dragon suplex, one thing I loved was that mid-bridge, he has to raise his left leg because his knee can't support the weight anymore. Yeah, And that probably helps Naito be able to uh, survive survive out of it.
1: And then um, Naito, is that inverted DDT thing his finisher that he counted out Messina. of this power bomb?
0: Yeah. Yes, but that's a bit later on. Um, I liked also when they get into a forearm exchange at one point. They both have smiles on their face. Yeah. Naito, his usual. Oh, I don't really care. This is ridiculous. I think Omega is like, I'm gonna give you tip for tap. Like with the spitting, it's like, okay. Yeah. You're gonna smile during this. I'm gonna smile as well. <laughs>
1: I'm enjoying the fact that you're th- you're trying to enjoy it, kind mm. of thing.
0: And they do this sequence again. It's it's sort of, because you watch them so frequently. It's not not necessarily a cliche, but it's a a regular thing where the person that wins the strike exchange will then run and then be surprised with a return move that like r- shifts the balance back. So mm. Naito wins the forearm exchange, runs the ropes, but then runs straight into a V trigger.
1: Yeah, I love the V trigger. Yeah, I, it's, oh, it's a, one of my most favourite moves in the world. Yeah. I, there's something about a knee to a face. I I, I just involves me.
0: Also, I think uh, I think one thing that helps is Omega is one of the great thigh slappers of all time. He can time and slap his thigh in just the right way to make yeah. it sound brutal.
1: Oh, it's beautiful. Like him. Um, when Gregory Helms was being, like, a proper, like, knobhead heel, and uh, he was doing uh, The Shining Wizard. Loved that. Um, love Great Mooters' Shining Wizard. I, I, I'm just enamored with knees to faces. <laughs> There's something about a knee to a face I just love. Mm. You know what I mean? Everyone's got, like, a certain strike. Like, Triple H's is uh, about to throw them into the ropes, come back, do the knee to face. I love that as well, even though it's not as, like... It, Bit like, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not as pure strike as the others.
0: This feels like just a kind of epic uh, finishing straight that almost takes up half the match of them just countering each other's big moves and and trying to... trying to
1: avoid, avoid the one-wing angel.
0: Yeah, that's the key. The move that... The, one of the things that New Japan are great at is giving someone a deadly finisher that can't be escaped. Like, for the longest time, AJ Styles' his Styles Clash was protected... So much, and Omega's One Wing Angel was protected to the point that no one ended up kicking out of it before he left the promotion.
1: Yeah, so that's great, though. It's like, well, Bond had jaws, the guy he just couldn't beat, you know. I think people should have like obstacles that aren't just easily surmounted, and finishing, finishing moves as a whole, um, in other promotions aren't including what
0: they... New Japan, to be fair. Yeah. It seems like Okada finishes any match with just one rainmaker these days. At least not an IWGP heavyweight match.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, we could go to, we could go down Pandora's box with like the finishing move as a whole. Uh but I don't know. I, I just I just want to see them finish things more, you know. Mm.
0: But again, like you said, the, the key is that you know, Omega's trying to hit him with everything he's got and, and Naito staying in it at times by just going back to Omega's knee, again, very similar yeah. to Tanahashi. It's like, he's like a Mirror Universe version of Tanahashi. You know, he's, he's bizarro, Tanahashi is Naito.
1: Yeah, like, the first time he escapes um, the wing angel is a great transition to the knee bar. Yeah, that's,
0: yeah. I
1: love that. I just love how he... And
0: he really wrenches at it.
1: Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, exactly. The facial expression he applies as well, like, the viciousness he's putting into that hold...
0: Can I be honest, there's something that Omega does that I'm not a fan of that much in wrestling. I get why they do it for dramatic purposes, but I've never been a huge fan of the guy contemplating the tap out. Okay. Where they're standing there with their arm up thinking about it, but they're not doing anything in that moment to try to escape the hold. Mm. What I like, and if you watch it in MMA, for the most part, when it's truly clamped in, they usually tap out instantaneously so the person that was always really good at that was William Regal. He fights and fights the submission hold, but then when it's finally truly applied, he taps out almost immediately. And I think that's how I prefer the tap out. But I get you use it for dramatic purposes. He doesn't milk it as badly as, say, Shawn Michaels did in the... <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. No. Um, I, get, I get your point. You can point.
0: say like they're thinking, how can I escape this? I, I yeah. get that, but I just... I don't know. Maybe because it gets played too much, you know.
1: Yeah, I think it's got its place, but I do see where you're coming from. It can it, it can very quickly get into hammy territory. Yeah. I don't think it does so here. Well, I think it helps can...
0: that he truly just lunges for the ropes at that point. Yeah, it, it doesn't and barely gets to them. Like,
1: yeah, it takes him like three grasps to get it, and mm. again, that's that's like the fred, That's the animalistic nature. He, he, yeah. He's not being smooth. It's not like a smooth leap yeah. like for like for that they, they, they often do in WWE tag team matches for the hot tag it's not like a smooth roll through after like inching across the ring it's like scratching and claw, clawing and hmm. conveying real danger
0: yeah yeah Uh one of the bits I, one of the things I also love in wrestling is when they like we were saying I think uh, Tanahashi does this brilliantly like how he brought a sling blade into a, uh, an environment that he reverses a, a move in the way that only he can yeah. so Naito goes for like those traditional Ric Flair atomic drop to the knee spots and he holds on after he does it the first time and lifts him up again but what Omega does with the good knee is v-triggers him mid-move to escape it yeah you know? so it's a variant of the v-trigger to help him out of a dicey situation you know it's that thing of finding that that way to pick that lock in a very specific yeah that gets to like a crowd reaction not just of a oh he's got out of it it's oh my god he's hit his set up to his finisher
1: yeah you know yeah, like, uh,
0: second deadliest move in his arsenal but having
1: the ownership of the tools in your toolbox to the extent that way you can apply them anywhere
0: mm. uh, another thing that Omega does that was starting to get really popular at this point is he does the deadlift which is again another thing that doesn't really make sense because all moves in wrestling that are power moves should be deadlifts yeah but he gets him, he does that where he hangs on to him and goes for the German suplex from a deadlift position. And then he holds out after that in the gut wrench pose and turns it into a power bomb. Uh, which, considering
1: his knee's been damaged as well. Yeah,
0: he's, the knee's selling, kind of, comes and goes at this point. Yeah. Um, he does, like, the bullet club pose and goes for the V-trigger, setting up the one-winged angel, which then Naito, like, like, like I said, with the... the reversing into the V trigger he finds a way to reverse into his version of destino not the full trend, full rotation destino but like the reverse DDT element yeah um and so what i love about the destino is that it's one of those moves the one of the best finishing moves cuz he can do that on anyone he can do that move on Rey Mysterio, he can do that move on the big show you know
1: that's like, one of the uh, great thing that like, truly great finishers have that but yeah. you can't hit anyone with it. ray has got that with the 619, speaking of Mysterio, because he's doing all of the actual movement.
0: And it's all about bringing down his opponent to his size yeah. as well.
1: Uh, or something RKO, like, like... Diamond CM- Cutter.
0: Yeah, whereas like, CM Punk couldn't probably do a GTS to the Big Show. I, I think mean, they did. They
1: worked. Kane's on that
0: a- as big as it's realistically able for him to do it with.
1: Yeah, I think they worked on that when uh, CM Punk and Big Show had a bit of a... Uh, feud during CM Punk's 434 day round. Uh, here's
0: another example. Cedric Alexander's not going to be able to do the lumbar check on Braun Strowman.
1: Absolutely not. No. His
0: knees would crumble underneath the weight of
1: it. Yeah. Whereas McIntyre can claim or kick anyone.
0: Yeah. Shawn Michaels can switch in music anyone. Yeah. Bret Hart can just about rap anyone's legs into a sharpshooter but it was struggled with Yokozuna, with Yokozuna
1: but
0: he'd do it well he, he had to do it from a different setting that's what again why I love Bret Hart being so adaptable he doesn't do it from the seated position and he turns them over he gets Yokozuna lying on his back and then just has to lift him from underneath like from yeah. the ground up
1: but and he never much, really it's only a minor tweak
0: with the sharpshooter against Yokozuna anyway um, and then we get a call back to one of the biggest moves of a these five-star matches so far, that is a move that I'm not a huge fan of, except when it's done on this top rope version, which is where Naito does the poison Frankenstein or Hurricane Rana oh, from the top that, rope. Because I've said I'm not a huge fan of it from a stationary, like a ground position.
1: Because, it looks um,
0: great, but it's never finished a match. It's all the receiver's job to take. Yeah. And if you saw it like even Omega himself couldn't get it completely right against Pac in their recent match at all out.
1: Yeah, and um it was space as well, you were saying is a big factor, because you haven't yeah. got a lot of room to And you mean
0: forced to essentially give yourself a neck drop bump. Yeah. That's what bothers me. It's a move that the the giver of the move doesn't actually really have much to do to protect a guy. It's all down to the receiver having to take the move, and yet it's the guy who gives the move that gets all the yeah. glory
1: essentially you know some moves are like that though but i do take your point um especially in the element of there's not a lot the uh the giver can do to protect them in a spike runner scenario really
0: yeah um uh, yeah and again the the knee injury comes back into this story uh coming up soon because he goes for his uh, destino again um, but now from the full arm ringer rotation and Omega's able to turn it into basically like a packaged tombstone. Yeah. I believe the wrestler Jigsaw does the move and calls it the gigatonic. Jigatonic. I'm not sure if it's got an official name. But it's like he gets him in a tombstone pose, but then sort of wheelbarrows the legs under his arm. Yeah. And uh,
1: drops down. It just made it look like nastier as well. Yeah, which, yeah. again... That That is an example, though. Uh, to... But I think, like, the
0: package pile driver, it's not actually as dangerous, I think, than the regular one because it kind of lifts the guy's head up a bit. Yeah. And allows them to tuck and roll, like, like their, their, their body is not stretched out fully vertical. So mm. the weight's distributed a bit better as well. Like, he's essentially holding him up by the legs so he can kind of lift up the legs as he's yeah. doing it. You know? And,
1: yeah, that's, that's what I was um, about to lead into. The fact that he's put a variant on it which makes the move look more threatening in a sense but it actually has those has those benefits that you describe you I mean, know what I mean how it's how where
0: it uh... makes it but it doesn't make it more dangerous in my eyes but it looks yeah. more dangerous yeah that's my point <laughs> and so this is the point they're both just utterly on running on empty at this point and Omega does a great bit where he's pulling himself up from red shoes <laughs> like he's clasping onto red shoes to get himself to a fully vertical position and he hits a couple of short knees to Naito, like not full-on V-triggers, like he doesn't have it in him anymore, to so do a full V-trigger. Yeah. Sets him up for the One-Winged Angel, but then just crumbles under, his, under the weight of his knees trying to do it.
1: Oh, yeah, yes, yes. Uh, and
0: Naito's like sort of grasping for the ropes as well to get out of it.
1: And this is when they just start slapping the absolute piss out of each other.
0: Yeah, yeah. And again, Naito surprises him with a, an Enziguri. And like I said, the one who wins the exchange ends up being surprised because he goes for a forearm and again, Omega meets him with a V-trigger. Now it's, the question is, is it over excessive use of it or is it just going back to what you know? Is it like, does because Masawa throws so many forearms, is that too much? Or is that like just, it, it's it's his go-to? Like yeah, Brock just because uh, uh, Iron plays. Robin
1: keeps cutting in onto yeah. his left foot. Like, that's not overuse of it. That's just, he knows that all better I think than I
0: think the example of overuse is if it's the finisher and it doesn't finish the match. Like I said, that was what marked me down with the Nakamura-Tanahashi yeah. uh, final from the year before.
1: Or watching any match involving The Miz when he hits the school-crushing finale. Like, yeah, he's not going to get the pin off the first one. Oh, okay. And then sometimes he does.
0: <laughs> I don't really watch that many Miz matches anymore, I guess. Um... But yeah, it's like, again, like with the with the Ishii match now, it's about just unloading the final barrage of moves, like like with King's Road, all Japan matches as well. It's not that final chase to get the finisher in. It's like, it's not just one move. He's going to have to hit several. So he goes for the one-winged angel, and Naito keeps trying to escape it, so he has to go into his old bag of tricks, and he does instead his old finishing move from his DDT days, which is where... He throws you up from the electric chair position, catches you in the German suplex, and then does that. Uh, he's called Wrath. Uh, okay. That was, that was his finisher before he switched to the one-winged angel. Then he follows up with another V-trigger, and that's enough for him to do the one-winged angel, and he gets three counts. And, you know, a new Gaijin star is born, and six months le- you know, four months later, he's main eventing Wrestle Kingdom with a match that we will have to have a lot to talk about. <laughs>
1: oh boy um
0: do you have anything more to add about the match itself
1: i I really no no i i I don't i think uh one thing i just like i've said it already but i think the facial expressions of these two men throughout i i really really loved Mm. and it's again how you don't have to do a lot with your body sometimes to convey what's happening Mm. uh they get both both across um how much they don't like it? The, the dislike for each other. Um, Naito's sort of like meh, apathy at the start, and then morphing into throughout the match is frustration, yeah. uh, and Omega's viciousness. Yeah.
0: So this was basically, you know, like you say, the first five star match for either of these guys that were well respected. But I think this was like a coming out party for them. Even though Naito had already won the IWGP Heavyweight Title uh, before, I think this was really it was. Both his, really more his post-match throwing away of the belts that did, that won it for him, won the crowd over, and also um, his character work. And just, this was starting to get more eyeballs to the product. There's now English commentary. People are getting access to it uh, through other means. Uh, We didn't watch it with English commentary, but there was, you could see them there at one point, uh, Steve Carino and Kevin Kelly, so... You know, I could have made you avoid Matt striker commentary, Simon. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, That's all right. So it's starting to get there now. They're finding that the, 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 the like, these one-off events are being put up online for people to watch. It's just before the New Japan World subscription starts up. I think. It might have already been up at this point, but I don't think it was. Um, but I think also one of the key things that made this match a coming out for both men, really, to a lot wider audience was... Both of these characters have been built as heels on interference in their matches. But this was an interference-free match. Neither the Ingo Benables or the Bullet Club members were anywhere to be seen for this. And they went at it just one-on-one. And pulled out a match that I'm going to give five stars to.
1: I am also going to give five stars to this match. Uh, New Japan World, incidentally, launched December 1st, 2014.
0: Okay, so people were able to watch it at this point. Yeah. But I think this was the first... This must have been the first G1 Climax that was getting English commentary, at least for the final three nights. And now it's got to the point where there's English commentary every night.
1: Mm. Mm. Well, uh, well, this is the advantage of having New Japan World, is it it Mm. made it more accessible to English speakers.
0: So... Uh, do you have anything more to add? Like, what, were you, what are your feelings now? This is your first Naito match you've watched. Is it your first Omega? It can't be your first Omega match. It's, it's not, not my Omega.
1: first Omega match. Yeah, um, but it is my first Naito match. And as I can say, I can see why you have a soft spot for him. I it's really as like much for the character
0: as it is the in ring
1: stuff. Like, yeah, but I like even the character only having
0: like four star matches. I'd still be a huge fan of this character. You know.
1: Yeah, and I like it. I, I just like. I love it. I mean, I, I like Andrade's version as well. Mm. Um, he's the original, essentially. Yeah. Although he does it with a bit more naked aggression and he's yeah. got obviously Selena Vega, a different yeah. sort of backup with him.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but no, I, I, I'm intrigued to see more of Naito. Mm. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Well, you've got plenty to look forward to in the near future. Right. Um, but that's been the end of our four years worth of new Japan matches. They have to wait a full four months for another five-star match to come from New Japan. Uh, But in the interim, there was a five-star match in America that Dave Meltzer witnessed from the front row.
1: Woo!
0: And it was for a new promotion to us on this series. Simon, what are we covering next?
1: So, we are going to the world of Pro Wrestling Gorilla and we are watching um adam cole bye bye and the young Bucks take on ricochet will osprey and matt Sydal.
0: six men all making their five star debuts on this show uh five of whom will go on to have many more five star matches to come yes maybe not many more but more but if people want to get in touch with you with the interim simon how can they do so
1: uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm, I'm sending so a Simon Cross free, free for the uh, number of seconds after the power bomb onto the table. I was like, did that actually break?
0: <laughs> my name is Lorcan Mullen, That's L O R C A N M U L L A N. If you reverse the N A at the start of Naito, if you put an at gmail dot com at the end of it, that's my email address. Otherwise, find that name on Twitter. Twitter letterboxed. I was going to say Twitter boxed. Twitter letterboxed. Facebook. Or Instagram, and you'll find me at all of those. Uh, Get in touch with the show at LMTYSPOD. That's our Twitter handle. You put an at gmail.com at the end of it. That's our Twitter account. And we have a Facebook page we'd love you to like and share with other people. Please review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you get your podcast from. It's word of mouth that saves uh, anyone like us who has no big backing behind a, a major podcast corporation and we'd like to find a wider audience we think we've made a, a series that people can binge listen to in the future that they could greatly enjoy, hopefully yeah. um, and I hope you've been following along with us if you don't have a New Japan World subscription get yourself a bloody New Japan World subscription yeah. this face ain't the best but once you figure out what you're looking for you, you're off to the races Maybe oh. we can put some links to the matches themselves on our Facebook and Twitter page Twitter accounts as well. Absolutely. Simon, our head of social media.
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Um, but until then.
0: Yep, there's nothing left to say except my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star tranquilo time. Until the next time. Goodbye and good night.
1: Still time